Hey, JJ here with the Out of Value. So today I'm going to talk about Jim Chanos, an interview with him just in the last couple of days, a podcast that came up on my feed, and why some he thinks some of the worst hit parts of the market still have more pain ahead. That's the headline there. But he talks about the last couple of years and what he thinks about what's going on and what's what's to come, which is a, is a fascinating interview. And so if you're on Twitter, the usual, click one of the links to go to the full episode, because I'll just put a few seconds on here. All right, let's get into it. So, yeah, he says in the transcript, Jim Chanos, why some of the worst hit parts of the market have still more pain ahead. And it was on the Odd Lots Bloomberg podcast. And... It's a full hour, really fascinating. I, I recommend listening to it all because there's, there's a lot in there that I'm not going to cover. But I, so I'm just going to cover a little bit of it. I didn't get, didn't get, took some notes, but didn't get through it all. And so Jim Channels is Wall Street cynic on Twitter too, by the way. And so if you're watching on uh, on on uh, YouTube video, or Spotify video, if you find this interesting or with value, uh, like and subscribe, hit the notification bell on YouTube. And notification bell on Spotify and follow. And if you're on audio elsewhere, you won't be missing anything because this is mostly just transcript. So co-founder of Chanos and Company he is, and one of the most famous hedge funders and short sellers on Wall Street, if you don't know who he is. He's been around for a long time, about four decades. When you talked in the interview about going back to right back to 1980, and so, you know, interest rates being a factor in the 1980s. Uh, but he said, he starts off saying the Ubers, the Grubhubs, etc. in 2020, if they are not making money now, when everyone is stuck at home, then they will be going to make, when, when, when will they be going to make money when everyone is buying online? So he said that in 2020, the interviewers asked him, he was saying that, and he says, what does he still think now? And uh, he said, the darlings of 2020 and 2021, Uber, the lifts, the door dashes, the unit economics were terrible at the time when they should have been Nirvana, when everyone was getting checks from the government and restaurants were going out of their way to make deliveries, and they still couldn't make money. That's true, but also, I mean, I, what I made me think there is that's true with the food delivery, with uh, Uber Eats and DoorDash and so forth, but nobody was taking rides anywhere. I mean... It was well, they were, but it must the business is way down anyway. So not the best example there, but there are others talking about gig economy economy companies. So narratives trumped everything in 2020. He said, "If you had a story and you couldn't and you could spin it about the future size of the market and profitability by 2030, you could do a spac or and go public profitability by 2030." And unlike the dot com era, there were still where those stories would get two, three, four, sometimes $5 billion valuations. In, the, in this case, this time, they had 20, 30, 40, sometimes even $80 billion valuations. That's why we called it the dot-com era on steroids. And that's, I've been, I was saying that too, like people were saying it's not the same as dot-com. The, the, you know, the companies, the companies now are a lot better than they were, and that's what Kathy Wood said as well. But these, the valuations this time were just um, incredible, absolutely incredible. Even though they possibly, some will come in, you know, some will, will come out well, it just depends. So he goes on, setting aside the legitimate profitable companies, I'm talking about the companies at the end of the whip, 
that's what was so shocking to us just of uh just how big people were paying for in effect for the option value that businesses would be worth possibly something someday but the business model was unproven that's the most striking thing in silicon valley versus 20 years ago during the tech bubble bust how we are how how are you feeling right now they asked him seems like some of the air has been kicked out of the valuation tires of of these of these companies you have been criticizing and targeting no doubt his <laughs> the shorts shares shorting's been going well better over the last six months when I mean, he was criticized for shorting Tesla famously people even made videos about how much money he'd lost and others shorting Tesla and so you know things didn't go well but now obviously going better so he said until 2019 retail was buying index funds and investing reasonably but starting in the fall of 2019 everybody started to pick stocks and buy options and you can see it in the price of Tesla or whatever the high flyers really began to go in October 2019 they took a speed bump with the pandemic of two in March of 2020 but as soon as the Fed opened the spigots it was back to the races it really it really went on to the first quarter of 2021 which was a period unlike I've ever seen in my 40 years of being on the short side it was it was the meme stocks but was real what was really striking to me by February 2021 for a period specs were raising on an average an average of three billion dollars every night that was equal to the US savings rate which struck me as the height of absurdity of course Early February 2021 20, was, was the peak of like innovation stock. Uh, I'd like to say bubble because I think it was a bubble, you know, uh, when ARC peaked and, excuse me, that uh, ARC peaked and, um, you know, a lot of stocks started to go down. They've been going down ever since pretty much. Thought the bottom was in, but uh, ARC's nearly back down to the lowest of the low where it was. Most stocks peaked in the first quarter of 2021, he says, and our short performance hit its bottom there and really began climbing in the summer of 2021, even though the market made a new high in the fall. A lot of stocks began to falter. Then we began to see disasters like, like Peloton, remember this, when that started to go off the, remember when that started to go off the rails. Uh, Robin Hood, DraftKings, stocks that were darlings were suddenly down 60 70% on bad news this was on perceived bad news this was the market that was as the market was peaking too in October November of 2021 doesn't seem like that long ago what did you think about how far about how how far it could go with the gig economy companies how far it could go down for a money losing financial for a money losing financial usually trades uh, slightly below book value that's where the Chinese and European banks trade that that are profitable that is but people don't trust the numbers or the model long term so I'd say the money losing brokers the court like Coinbase and Robinhood he, he bought up Robinhood quite a lot or it must have been short Robinhood or some of the fintechs which was another absurd absurdity forced it on the market in 20 and 20 2020 and 2021 those stocks are probably going to trade slightly below book value for some of those companies that is still a long way down
So he said, uh, no, the, a question was, has something changed in investor behavior to get to this point? Have we seen this before, like in the tech bubble? So there was a lot of comparison to the tech bubble in this interview where he, and I, I think so too, I think so, I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but it definitely rhymes from what I can remember. Um, especially when, you know, uh, and Jeremy Grantham said it too, when the, this more speculative ones, high valuation get hit first and then the broader market later, which is it's over a year later that, uh, the broader market's going down and these, those speculative or emerging tech stocks are, are down 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 percent. I mean, it's happening, right? So he says there was a confluence of events. In the tech bubble, it was primarily tech. There was a lot of value stocks that had, that held up pretty well in the ensuing bear market. One pocket of insanity based on the internet and the recession was pretty mild. This time around, it was almost everything. Cryptos, NFTs, cap rates and real estate. One thing, one thing when people are not prepared for is interest rates being reset meaningfully higher because it just hasn't happened in a lot of investors' lifetimes. It's going to be hard for a lot of investors to deal with. The market will not be able to handle 5 to 6%. It just won't. Interesting. So he thinks... Yeah, if interest rates keep going up, there's going to be a lot more, a lot more trouble. And it seems like they will. Unless inflation can come down fairly quickly. Question. If you mentioned in the fintechs, the gig economy companies, what else out there looks egregious? He says the whole, the whole cross section of REITs seem absurd to us. 3% cap rates, data centers, warehouses. We've gone, we've got so used to uh, feasting on these ultra low interest rates. Even CPG, consumer packaged goods companies and utilities, all still trading at 25, 30 times earnings. That has been seen as defensive, but they have as much risk as the techs at this point, he thinks. That's interesting. Uh, CPG companies and utilities and real estate as well. And yesterday I did that video with, uh, you know, with the um, uh, with uh, knocking on the door of real estate, death knocking on the door of stocks, then crypto. I mean, it had been into the door with blood coming out with stocks and crypto, and now knocking on the door of real estate, the Grim Reaper. How long could things go? What and what's how low could things go? And what's your what's most vulnerable? They wanted to ask him. They wanted to ask him how low the S and P five hundred was going to go, but he wasn't obviously wasn't going to predict that. I mean, you'd have to be nuts to want to predict the exact bottom and how it's going to go. Uh, he says I'm long the S and P five hundred myself. Just FYI, so we're long the broader market, but short a set of radioactive companies, but still short, a set of radioactive companies. But this has been a golden age for the companies in terms of profitability and valuations. It remains to be seen if profit margins will hold up. They're at record levels. What's most overvalued to you? They, they continued. They wanted to press him. <laughs> any, any company that's earning low to mid single digit return on capital, return on capital. Things like the real estate industry or a number of consumer companies, the ESG space like solar, 
where the unit economics are just crappy, but but that's but there's a narrative there. And we see climate tech narrative and also you know perception of uh, government putting a lot of money in. There's been a lot of support for it, which is true, but economics went out in the end. And then and where's the where's and then there's and where's the there's and where there's leverage is there are lots of these names out there. It's going to be problematic if rates drift higher. Yep, leverage. <laughs> Same with the, the GFC, global, global financial crisis, anything with a lot of leverage just got, just got devastated. Uh, and rightfully so. Please, people keep saying this is the bottom, but what does it look like when the pain ends? They wanted to ask him. To use the the uh, 2000 analog again, I've been surprised just how much retail investors continue to want to speculate. That's one of the things that's kept me exposed on the short side. Kathy Wood was getting inflow inflows for most of the first quarter, in some cases record inflows, and we see it in the meme stocks too. People are still speculating every time the market stopped going down, the stocks would jump. This is in the first quarter or pretty much up until now really so it's more sh my shorts keep my shorts keep going up what that's exactly what they did in 2001 2002 people people still want to believe this is the bottom but i don't know by the but i don't know but the willingness to speculate is still there and that's shocking to me that people are buying that people are buying the most speculative stocks for a bounce and then it goes up or it does bounce this is me talking now Goes up, bounces, and then another leg down. Bounces a bit, another leg down. That last little rally I think it was around 10%. It was a reasonably big one, but you know, long bear markets do kind of just uh, go down incrementally. With, with it can be 10, 15 rallies, bear bear market rallies to the bottom. And so he's basically saying that once that stops, once people capitulate and just stop buying the dip or run out of money, I mean, really, um, then that would be the bottom. So that's that's all I got up to. It was like the half the halfway mark. So I might do another one of these because I find, I did find it fascinating, uh, even though you know well I do find it fascinating what he has to say. He's had a lot of criticism, and uh, but it's playing out now. What he's been saying for the last few years. One thing, one I know they talk about Tesla later on, so I'm gonna uh, talk about that. But he still short Tesla, still short. And it's, what is it? As short would have been if you've been short Tesla since the beginning of the year. It's been working. Uh, it's down, what, nearly, I think today it's 48%. It did touch 50 a couple of weeks ago. So, I mean, there's been more, and I've noticed more and more stories, sort of bad news coming out about Tesla, about the FSD, uh, you know, and with questions about that and regulatory questions, uh, or, or possible orders becoming, dropping off, even though they've got a lot of demand, they've got prices up, so they've got pricing power, but he kind of, I know channels in the interview says that, you know, Tesla's not in danger of really going out of business. But um, I noticed Neil on Musk said in an interview the other day uh, with the Silicon Valley Drivers Club or whatever it was, I watched half of it so far, he basically said that, you know, so many companies have gone out of business. Every car company's gone out of business except, or gone bankrupt at some point except for Ford and Tesla. Obviously Ford being much older. But uh, he's saying that, you know, car companies make money on their on their um, on their parts, high 
premium on parts and not and can even and can sell not make a profit on the cars at all which new car, car companies can't they can't afford to do that so they can be driven out of business that way that's why no car companies have been started and it's been successful but he's saying that he's saying he he kind of joked or exaggerated by saying tesla if if fsd full self-driving it needs it to to be able to continue to be able to it could be worth a lot with FSD, Tesla, or zero, meaning that it could go bankrupt if it doesn't, if FSD doesn't, doesn't work out. So my, my thought is that it could take longer. I mean, he's, it's been saying since 2014 uh, that it's every two, it's going to be two years, and it's getting better. But um, how much, how many, how much regulatory difficulties would there be actually rolling it out when it is successful, um, fully with no driver? You know, you said people. There've been accidents of people being asleep and drunk or whatever, so having overconfidence. Anyway, that's getting into a different, <laughs> different area. But um, so if you got any value out of this and enjoyed that, so like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, follow or Apple Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your uh, audio content, and join me on Twitter at the Art of Value. All right, see you next time.